Well, it's been a, a great pleasure and an honor for us to start reading our books, Faith Like Potatoes. You might be asking yourself a question, where did a name like that come from? Well, I can honestly tell you it never came from me. There was a Scottish preacher, Peter Marshall. He had an incredible way with words. They say that students used to come and sit in the back of his meetings just to hear him speak the English language. And he said to his students one day, you must have faith, faith that is tangible, faith that you can touch, faith that you can see, faith like <laughs> potatoes. Chapter four, telling others. The first person I met the next morning was a neighboring farmer. He was a real tough character, a dairy farmer, and the RSM of the local army camp for reservists. We were on our way to buy cattle at a neighboring farm. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. We were driving down the road and the Holy Spirit began stirring me. Ian, I said, I've got something to tell you. Well, Angus, I prayed hard and I felt the Holy Spirit saying, just tell him. So I went for it. Ian, I want to tell you that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He went quiet. His face was white as he looked at me. He didn't laugh. He just said, Angus, I'm pleased for you. That gave me courage. What about you, Ian? Don't you want to accept Jesus? No, that's not for me, he said quietly. Two years later, he telephoned me. I've got to come and see you, Angus. I can't go on anymore. We talked about Jesus, and later I visited him in his home. Together, we knelt down on the carpet, and he gave his life to Christ. He was the first guy I ever witnessed to. Well, that wasn't so bad. I'd survived. Who was next? and excitement began to stir within me. The fertilizer rep came to the farm. I told him, and after that, I told everybody I saw. I couldn't keep quiet. I'm still telling everybody about Jesus. We've got a 12 by 3 meter cross on the farm that lights up at night. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Jill and I literally devoured all the Christian literature, music, and tapes we could lay our hands on. We just couldn't get enough. Our lives were totally transformed. We would never be the same again. I began to get up extra early in the morning. We had tea together, and then I went to my little office to have a quiet time with the Lord. These were precious moments as Jesus spoke to me through the scriptures, through prayer and devotional readings. This time with him at the break of day became the most important part of my day. I loved spending time with the Lord. This time alone with the Lord was to become even more important than I could have imagined. It was a discipline the Lord was building into my life that was to become a lifeline to me. We continued to worship at the local Methodist church. The Reverend Errol Hind, the minister, was a dear man of God and taught us much by example and lifestyle and through God's word. Errol and Marion Hind were a powerful source of encouragement to us. In no time at all, we were involved in every Christian activity in that church. Three months after giving my life to the Lord, I began preaching. It was very challenging and very exciting. The local church council wanted me to take the preacher's exam, but somehow there was never time, so they just called me an exhorter. When we read the local paper about some special services in town, we didn't think twice. We wanted everything God had for us. 
There the Lord met us in a powerful way and filled us with His Holy Spirit. Shortly afterwards, we were baptized in water, and that was part of a whole new dimension in my walk with Christ. It was also the start of the ministry of Shalom. God was beginning to use us, and we loved it. I'll never forget the first time I had the privilege of leading a man to Christ. In those days, I played a lot of polo cross. They call it this poor man's polo because you actually need four horses for polo, but with polo cross, you make do with one. It was a very tough game and often compared to rugby on horseback. I must tell you that it was right up my alley. I loved the rough and tumble. One weekend, just about a week or so after Jill and I had met the Lord, I was playing with one of my old boozing buddies, Jan. He kept looking at me and then he said, What's happened to you, Angus? There's something very different about you. What an opportunity. The words flowed out of my heart as I told him how I had found Jesus and how his incredible peace filled my life. He looked at me with longing. Can I come and see you, Angus? I want to know more. I rushed home to Jill. Jan is coming to see us tomorrow after work. He wants to receive the Lord. We were so excited. And then the reality struck home. What would we say to him? How do you lead someone to the Lord? Should we call the minister? Lord, we prayed, show us what to do. At that moment, I remembered that I had been given a booklet put out by Campus Crusade called The Four Spiritual Laws. I would share that with him. At four o'clock the next afternoon, sure enough, there came Jan driving up the farm road. Are you sure you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I asked him. Yes, he said emphatically. We went through that little book step by step, and then Jan prayed the sinner's prayer. It was a wonderful moment. We were both so happy and filled with the Holy Spirit that we were literally laughing and crying for joy at the same time. Leading that polo cross player to Jesus in the maize fields was one of the most exciting moments of my life. Since then, many precious folks have come to the Lord on Shalom Farm. One day in early summer, a young, good-looking gold miner from the Transvaal came to spend some time on Shalom. Andy's marriage was in trouble, and he was trying to find some answers. Every morning, he would walk down to the fields around half past seven and jump onto the tractor. We had already been working since quarter to five. We would talk about his problems while the early morning smells of the new day were still fresh with the sun rising steadily from the east. The maize fields are very special to me. Their beauty just takes my breath away. During the rainy season in summer when the maize is at its tallest, the long green leafy stalks virtually touch each other at the top. In autumn, going into winter, the entire crop turns to a beautiful golden color. I love to walk and talk with the Lord right there, thanking Him for blessing us so richly with His amazing creation. This particular morning, Andy sat silently gazing at the beauty around him. As we watched the Zulu laborers checking that the seed was coming out of the planter properly and falling into the prepared soil, I prayed for this big strong miner, Lord, prepare his heart and let the seed of your word take root there. His brokenness touched my heart as I talked to him about Jesus. As he listened, I began to see tears of joy glistening in his eyes. The Holy Spirit was busy working in his life. 
And it was a solemn moment as he repented of his sin and started thanking God for his goodness and grace and the surrounding beauty. At that very moment, the Lord began to heal him of all the hurts that he had experienced throughout his life. The tears were flowing freely as the tractors moved up and down the fields, planting God's crop of maize. The Holy Spirit was germinating spiritual seed in a man's heart at the same time. And he works as a cage operator, taking large numbers of men up and down the mine shafts in some of the deepest mines in the world. He has never forgotten God's green cathedral. Whenever it gets dark and depressing down in the pits of the mines, he told me, he keeps that picture in his mind of shalom. The green maize fields, the cattle, and the memory of those early mornings we shared together as we talked about Jesus. There's nothing I love more than to lead someone to Jesus. I marveled at the way the Lord uses the smallest details of our lives as a witness of His saving grace. One day I decided to get a windmill, so I telephoned Angus Flockhart at Stewart's and Lloyd's. He came to the farm and very kindly advised me on the size of the windmill I needed and promised to ensure that everything would be installed correctly. Now, Angus, he said, the company logo normally goes on the tailpiece of the windmill. Are you going to put Shalom's name up there? No, I smiled. I want a fish painted on the tailpiece. A fish? He looked at me as though I was insane. If that's what you want, okay. A few months later, he was at home watching TV one Sunday evening. It was a sad time for him as he reflected over a beer about life. His first wife had died of cancer only three months earlier and left him with two small children to care for. Something on the TV screen caught his attention. A windmill with a fish on the tail. I know that windmill, he exclaimed as his attention focused on the TV. It was a program about local farmers and how Jesus had made a difference in their lives. Jill and I shared that evening how we had come to know our Lord and what he had done for us. We had no idea that he was watching. When the program came to an end, he phoned Jill. I want to come and see you and Angus. I must talk to you. The very next Saturday, he arrived with his two children. They played together while he and I took a ride into the fields. He, like myself, was a tough Scotsman. But I had learned by now that no one is too tough for the Lord. We talked and talked as we watched the sun sink slowly behind the pine trees. Do you want Jesus to come into your life? I asked him. That big tough Scotsman took off his tamashanta, standing there in those golden fields just as the sun was setting. With tears running down his face, he asked Jesus to become his personal Lord and Savior. His life has been totally transformed, and he is now married to a lovely Christian lass. They have three beautiful children, and God is blessing them. Our Lord is so faithful. I never fail to be amazed at the simplicity and the power of the gospel. Thank you for listening to this episode of Faith Like Potatoes.